When we talk about Internet of Things, we're talking about, you know, cameras and routers and light bulbs and refrigerators and all the things in our lives now, okay, in the industrial world, industrialized world, that now have digital capacity. And these things generally have a very small operating system inside them. And what these people are doing is that they're taking control of this small, tiny operating system. This is here, um, this is OpenWRT, okay? This is a tiny little Linux, but it's really small. It's like 10 megs, less than 10 megs in size. And this is what's embedded inside of these IoT devices. So Occupy the Web, you've been in this game a long time. Would you buy electronic locks on IoT devices or would you stick to manual as a recommendation? <laughs> uh, I, I always use physical locks. <laughs> and so there's a scene in Mr. Robot where they, I think it's in season three, where they social engineer law enforcement and, uh, and, and call ahead and ask them to slow down the vehicle that's chasing them. So, so those of you who have GM OnStar enabled vehicles, you basically are giving up that control of your vehicle. They can shut off your vehicle. They can't do that. Now, right now, only law enforcement has control of it. Big shout out to Juniper Networks for sponsoring this video and making a huge amount of their training available for free. I'm a firm believer in getting certified. I'm a firm believer in IT training. Why? Because it changed my life. I used to work crazy hours in a retail environment, but my life changed when I got certified, when I started learning about IT. And I believe that you can do the same. This is fantastic. You can get free training from Juniper, not just for networking, but you can also get security training, cloud training, DevOps training. So they have all of this associate level training for free. But as they say, there's more. But wait, there's more. You can get specialist training, service provider, enterprise security for free from Juniper. And there's more. Another one. Professional training available for free. Now there are some prerequisites. You have to pass an associate level certification before you can do some of this training. But the point is, is that you can get training for free. What? And they've bundled their JNCIE training when you purchase an exam package. A lot of people will say, David, but what about the exams? You know, exams are expensive. And that's what I love about what they've done here. Once you've gone through the training, you can go through an assessment. If you get 70% or higher for that assessment, so make sure that you study, then you get a 75% discount on the exam. This to me is one of the ultimate sponsorships. Working with a company like Juniper, highly regarded in the industry, you get free training. If nothing else, go and learn about how to secure networks using their free training. But I personally wouldn't stop there. I would go and get certified. Please use the link below. Go and show them some love. Thank you for Juniper for sponsoring my channel. Thank you for making training like this available. Hey everyone, David Bumble back with Occupy the Web. Occupy the Web, welcome. Thanks, David. It's always an honor to be back on the best IT and cybersecurity YouTube channel. I really appreciate you saying that. Just for everyone who hasn't seen our previous videos, Occupy the Web is the author of this book. Occupy the Web, you're giving me some good news about this book uh, offline. This is in like the top 2000 on Amazon at the moment or something, right? It, it's selling extraordinarily well. Yeah, it's uh, it actually was as high as the top 1000 books of all books on Amazon, which is a, it, just an extraordinary record. Very few tech books ever achieve that. Exactly. I mean, that's fantastic. So for everyone who's watching, go and look on Amazon, go and look at the reviews. There's a reason that the book's in the top 1,000 or 2,000 of all books on Amazon. 
I personally highly recommend this book and Occupy the Web. Hopefully very soon, I'm going to convince you to do videos on your book, right? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do them in this fall. Yeah, we'll have them out uh, in September, October. That's great. So expect that. We're going to do a video series based on the book, so a companion guide to the book, if you like. Uh, Occupy the Web is also the author of this book, Getting Started Becoming a Master Hacker, and more recently, Network Basics for Hackers. And again, I always say this, and I, I, this is my honest opinion. What I love about your books is that you keep it simple. You have all this experience, but you approach everything from a hacker's mindset, which is great to see. Well, thanks, David. We, we try really hard to try to make uh, what seemingly is complex hacking and IT systems and try to make them simple because really when you boil it down, these are really simple systems. And once you get down to the fundamentals, there's there's nothing too complex about these systems. So that's what we try to convey in the books and in our classes. And I want, I want to talk about your classes because you were telling me offline. And just for everyone who's you know is watching, there's a reason that we only do specific topics. If you want to like get into really interesting things that we can't put on YouTube because of all the rules, then you know use the link below. Occupy the web. You've got to tell me about two things. Number one, what was this course that you you were telling me that you wrapped up yesterday? And what's the great news about some kind of discount? Oh well, we're going to offer to all the viewers on your channel twenty percent off. Use right. the discount discount code Bomble. Right, and you can get twenty percent off anything on our website. And we Appreciate just that. finished. We just finished up a course on SDR for hackers. And at the end of that course, we started doing hacking of mobile systems, the cell systems, as well as satellite systems. And we have an advanced course coming up in 2024 where we're going to be looking just exclusively at mobile systems and satellite systems. And what few people recognize is being able to pick up satellite transmissions is relatively simple to do and be able to pick up both the text messages and the data and the voice that's being transmitted across these satellite systems is most of it's unencrypted and openly available to anybody who has the equipment to do so. So that's what we've been doing in that class and we'll continue and expand upon that in the advanced course. So everyone who's watching, let us know the kind of topics that you want us to cover. I was thinking about perhaps SDR, Occupy the Web, like Flipper Zero, Hack RF, maybe some devices like that. How about hacking IoT? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> and I mean, actually, that brings us to our topic today, right? Because you are you you're talking about a botnet that's that's becoming important in the last like few weeks. Is that right? Yeah, we have a, a botnet. It's kind of the return of an old botnet. Yeah, so what's what's New is old and what's old is exactly. new. In 2016, we had a botnet that probably most of your viewers are familiar with called Mirai. And, and Mirai was a was just, well, if you if you think about it in terms of success, meaning how many systems they were able to knock out, the Mirai botnet is one of the most successful DDoS attacks in history. So what happened is a few young men, they are they were young men. Who, who had developed a company for DDoS protection. <laughs> and so what they did is they started DDoSing companies to try to essentially sell their product, DDoS protection. So we say DDoS, we're talking about distributed denial of service. And what made this particular DDoS attack different 
is that it used IoT devices, the Internet of Things. And we talk about Internet of Things. We're talking about, you know, cameras and routers and light bulbs and refrigerators and all the things in our lives now, okay, in the industrial world, industrialized world, that now have digital capacity. And these things generally have a very small operating system inside them. And it's almost always Linux. Okay. Not always, but almost always Linux. And what these people are doing is that they're taking control of this small, tiny operating system, right? These things are all connected to the internet, right? Otherwise they couldn't communicate. They have to be connected to the internet. So they're connected internet to the internet. Internet of trash, I like to say, but well, some people like to say. But anyway, What's go that? on, sorry. Internet sorry, of trash. The internet sorry, of trash. <laughs> so we've, we've got all of these things that are all connected to the internet. And all of you know, most of them are very simple. Um, they have very little security. They don't use encryption. And so the original Mirai botnet basically took advantage of that to take control of all these hundreds and thousands of IoT devices and then use them to send packets, right, traffic at the target. And they were able to generate huge amounts of traffic. This is a typical DDoS, you know, in the past DDoS attacks. Well, for instance, when the Ukraine-Russia war started, there was thousands of us who participated in a DDoS attack against Russia, and we were able to shut their infrastructure down for about six weeks. That's a little different in that it's somebody sitting behind a computer. Here we have, it's a little bit different in that we have a botnet where we have one person who controls thousands, maybe even millions of devices that are then capable of sending traffic sending packets at the target and they can really disrupt the capabilities of anybody right who they target and so we've got this new mirai developing in the last couple of months okay so mirai was 2016 and now we've got a new mirai that's taking advantage of iot internet of things largely these small linux operating systems that sit inside these devices and they're embedding some shell code inside there and that shell code then allows the head of the botnet, you know, one person or a group of people who then control all these devices and then those devices almost simultaneously send traffic to the target. And if you send enough traffic to any target, you know, you can shut them down. You can basically, you can take up all of their resources so that nobody else can connect to them. That's basically what a DDoS attack is, a distributed denial of service, which is distinctive from a DOS attack. It's a denial of service and denial of service attack is a little bit different. And it usually is a little more sophisticated and it doesn't require a botnet or millions of users. It requires the capability of trying to shut down a server. Like, for instance, um, the Blue Keep attack of 2019 was an attack against Windows machines that were running RDP, remote desktop. And it was capable of basically blue screening, the be the blue screen of death on those Windows machines. And that's different than a DDoS. That's where you get the system to reboot itself or freeze up and so that it can't work. DDoS is a little simpler in that it just uses up 
all the resources. You just send so many packets at a system so that it's not able to receive packets from legitimate sources. And we've got a new one of these, a new Mirai, um, developing right now. So we've seen it in the wild, and we haven't seen it actually DOS, DDoS anybody yet, but we've seen um, it developing in the wild. And so I kind of wanted to put it out there and let people know that this is coming. It may be hitting you anytime <laughs> soon here. <laughs> and it, and it's going to look like it's coming from, you know, some camera or router or other IoT device. And then, you know, it has a capability of shutting down your system. The question always is, is how do they get access to all of these devices? Is there vulnerabilities in the device or is it like just default passwords? How do they get well, access to all of these devices with this bot to, to create this botnet? Well, the original Mirai, they largely just used default passwords. You know, it was many of these devices were put out there with just default passwords and they were able to, uh, to do that. And that's, you know, people aren't thinking about security in these IoT devices. But, you know, we tend to not think about these IoT devices, but they're, they are literally, they are operating systems and they're Linux operating systems. And if somebody can get into them and they can put in a little bit of shell code, a tiny bit of shell code, they then can control it. Shell code is basically like a listener or rootkit. It's just a, a way for the bot herder or the bot command and control to control it. If you've ever used something like Netcat or what have you, it's just a way to control the system remotely. And so it doesn't take much in the way of code to be able to put it into one of these um, Linux systems and then control it and then get it to send traffic to a target system. As a matter of fact, um, I have to, to, sh to show your viewers, I have a, a small Linux here, just kind of give you some idea. This is here, um, this is OpenWRT, okay? This is a tiny little Linux. I mean, it's, there's not a whole lot that we can really show. It's got, you know, it's got, if you go into CD bin, you know, that's where all the commands are at. You can see what commands are it's capable of, the things that we're all used to, like PS, you know, and uh, commands sometimes are a little bit different. PWD shows me it's in the bin directory. It has BI and uh, a number of other. It's it's a much smaller version of the Linux that say you'll see in a Kali or a Debian or a Ubuntu or a Red Hat, but it's really small. It's like ten megs, less than 10 megs in size. And this is what's embedded inside of these IoT devices. So it doesn't take much for somebody who has the username and password on the system or find some other vulnerability in it, which oftentimes what happens is that they'll take these tiny Linuxes and use a simple web server on them that'll allow for configuration, what have you. And they can attack that web server, get inside, embed some shell code in there, and then use this as an attack vehicle against the, whoever they're targeting. This is, OpenWRT is, is a project, it's an open source project that builds tiny Linuxes to embed inside of devices, you know, 
like routers, right? I'm say the most famous is routers, right? Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think WRT stands for Wireless Router Technology or something like that. And so they have hundreds, literally hundreds of of uh, Linuxes. I'll show you their website. Here's a sampling of some of these are for Netgear here and the, the Meraki. Uh, these are operating systems. Look at the size of these operating systems. They're tiny, tiny operating systems. And the one that I'm showing you here is a little bit bigger than these. This is about the one I'm showing you is like 10, 10 megs. Okay. This is like 6.3 megs, right? 7.6 megs. And this is what we'll be using to build our femto cell. We have a class coming up this fall and building a femto cell, which is a, a mini cell tower. So we'll be building our own femto cell and uh, we'll be using WRT to build that. So these are just simply tiny Linuxes, which once again makes the case for why you should know Linux. <laughs> because, because all of these, and I, I have to refrain from saying all, but nearly all of these devices are built with these tiny Linux operating systems inside of them. And if you know a little bit of the basics of Linux, you can get inside these IoT devices and play around and do what you want. You can build your own. And that's what we'll be doing in our class is we'll building, we'll be starting from this framework that OpenWRT provides us and then build our own little operating system that'll allow us to create a femto cell that we'll be able to capture cellular traffic. So yeah, this is this is a, a, a cool little operating system. It's uh, it has most of the capabilities, but there is no GUI. There's only the basic commands. You know, even if I tried to do a, a PS on it, right? And so I tried to do the PS the PSW. Right there, we go. PSW works, but PSAUX, which we're used to using, okay, does not work. Right, so it's it's a pared down version of what we're accustomed to working with in in Linux, but it works. You know, it does it does all the things that Linux does, but without many of the bells and whistles. But you can always add the bells and whistles to it to make it do what you want it to do. But this is what's inside of all these IoT devices that the Mirai botnet is taking control of and using it as a tool to run DDoS attacks. Okay, by the way, just help me because I'm slow. How did they get access to these uh, devices on the internet? Is it just, is it like in the old days where they used default passwords or is it some other vulnerability or something? In the original, they used default passwords. In the yep. new version, they found vulnerabilities in some of these devices. And there's a, a number of vulnerabilities because when people are, when companies are building these, security is not the first thing on their mind. And so they found vulnerabilities that they can go out and remotely attack these systems and put remote code, RCEs, remote code execution, inside of these Linux operating systems and then control them. And they can control thousands of them and use them for uh, attacking whoever they decide to target. And usually they hold them for ransom. The whole idea is to try to hold them for ransom. We're going to knock out your systems unless you pay us money. And and that's that's basically the business model for these types of things. In the case of the original Mirai, their business model was to sell their anti-DDoS software, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot of good anti- Nice racket, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
there's a lot of good anti-DDoS software out there, by the way. And there's, there's many companies who sell anti-DDoS software. And, and most of it works really good. So, you know, that's something that if you're on the defensive side, you know, that you might consider is to, to go with somebody like Radware or Cloudflare who sells anti-DDoS protection. And then, of course, I don't have one of these, but I know that they sell refrigerators, right? Yep. <laughs> they sell refrigerators Crazy. that will actually, I guess, you know, that there's some refrigerators that can actually order food for you, right? I mean, they got to be connected to the internet somehow to be able to do any of those things. And sometimes they're just connected for tech support too. But in any case, there's all these new devices that we're that are coming part of our daily lives, they all have little operating systems in them, mostly Linux, and oftentimes, not always, oftentimes are connected to the internet. If they're connected to the internet, then they can be hacked. Oftentimes, these systems that are not as secure as they should be. Well, we, we as you probably know, we, we hacked a lot of cameras in Ukraine and Russia, yeah. and those were... Those were incredibly easy to do. Once again, those those systems have tiny little Linuxes in them, right? And they had both simple passwords, default passwords, and some of them have flaws in them. And usually those flaws come up with the way that they do password resets. So almost all the time, these systems have to have a way to reset the password, right? And then resetting the password has to be done remotely. So... You can exploit those deep, those password reset settings to change the password to a new password that only you have and the original user does not. And that's what we did, and many of them. We simply changed the passwords by using those password remote password reset settings on those systems. So Occupy the Web, you've been in this game a long time. Would you buy electronic locks on IoT devices, or would you stick to manual as a recommendation? <laughs> uh, I I always use physical locks. <laughs> and know? like like your heating and stuff, is it like, like yeah. IoT, is it like all the old school stuff, or would it's you old, like use all this new stuff? It's old school. I don't want to give anybody, I want to tempt anybody to hack my house. So it's all old school. It's not connected to the internet. Uh, my locks are physical locks. You know, if you're here, you can try breaking the locks, but you're not going to break them remotely. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, from a security point of view, it just sounds like I, the less I, IT you have, the better. Well, I mean, there's there's kind of a, a a rule, and the rule is that the the more digital things you have in your life, the more vulnerable you are. And it's a rule that we all have to keep in mind. So every time that you buy a new device, okay, if it's electronic, if it's digital, not necessarily electronic, but digital, then and it's connected to the internet, then you're susceptible to having that system be hacked. And so I don't even have, you know, remote cameras connected to the internet uh, just because I know that it's too easy to hack them. And, you know, I can do what I have. I can put my security in without connecting anything to the internet. And I prefer to keep it that way. Now, I may change my mind in the future, but right now that's the case. So I think it's just really interesting because you've been a hacker for many years and you've hacked crazy systems. It's great to get your perspective for people who are, who are unaware of all the vulnerabilities. Like a lot of people buy these shiny new toys. 
oh, I can control my fridge by Alexa. To me, that just sounds like an absolute nightmare. Right. <laughs> I agree. It's, uh, I know people, they get, they get a thrill out of controlling your fridge and your lights or, you know, what have you by Alexa. But, you know, we, you always have to keep in mind that all of that convenience comes at a price. I'm, I do have an Alexa, but I'm a little weary of her. <laughs> I'm an Alexa. I, I, I have it turned I, off and in a drawer. I, I, I only right. use it for demos. <laughs> it's only for right. demos. <laughs> I'm really careful about what I talk about in front of Alexa. <laughs> I have Alexa, but I don't talk about anything that's confidential in front of Alexa. Danielle says her Amazon device in her Portland home recorded a private conversation and sent that recording to a random contact, which happened to be the employee in Seattle. It's pretty clear that one of the reasons that you know all of these companies are giving us or providing these devices is that they want to use them to collect data on us. So not only are they susceptible to being hacked, but they're collecting data on us. Now, some people say, well, I have nothing to hide. Whatever. I'm not committing yeah. I'm not committing any crimes. I have nothing to hide. Your first but, mistake. Yeah, going through. Yeah, first mistake. I mean, privacy is is something that I think most of us value it is a human right to have privacy. And we have companies like Amazon and Meta, you know, just selling our most private information. And I think that's something that we need to be concerned about. I mean, privacy is a human right. We 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 have a right to be private. And these companies are abusing that right. And they're saying, well, we're not looking at anybody in particulars. You know, we're not looking at yours. We're just putting it into a big computer system that then recommends advertising to you. Whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah whatever. Sure, I, sure, and, I, I could trust Zuck for sure. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I've said on this show before that, uh, you know, if, if a service is free, right, you know, you're not the customer, you're the product, right? You're, if, if they're giving you away Facebook for free, right, how do they make money then? Well, they make money by selling your information. They're selling your privacy, and you're giving them all of that information. You're providing them basically the, the fuel that runs their engine. And the same applies for TikTok as well. And that's one that we probably need to talk about in that, well, TikTok is a Chinese company that has ties to the Chinese government. TikTok gathers all your information, sends it back to the company. There is a national security issue there. You know, and we're talking about IOT, one of the more interesting cases of IOT hacking or IOT vulnerabilities is that in the U.S. at least, I think in Great Britain as well, that Huawei um, products are banned. The Chinese uh, big telecom company, networking company, Huawei, um, their products are banned in the U.S. and Great Britain and some other countries as well. Why? Because it's way too easy to put in a backdoor or, or some shell code that would give the Chinese access to those systems. Right? So that's why they're banned. That's why you can't buy them in the U.S. is because of this, uh, well, they've discovered backdoors, shell code in them. And then it'd be real easy for the Chinese simply to type in, shut down, shut down now, right? From remotely and shut down the system. and. Uh, 
Actually, this one doesn't even have shutdown in it. This, this little uh, open WRT. So it shows you how how pared down it is. But you can put in you know, that command in there and shut it down. And so this is why you know we have to be concerned about these IoT devices. It's why the Huawei products are not sold or in the United States. I guess there are some in the United States and there are some in Great Britain, but the newer ones have been banned because of the risk that's involved here. It's real easy to embed shell code in these tiny operating systems and then allow somebody to remotely control them. And I think that's true. It goes the other way too. I mean, if you're selling... The, the counter argument would be the U.S. is doing the same thing. So Exactly. I mean, right. And the yeah. U.S. companies, you know, the large number of them who sell networking and IoT products, you know, can easily put in some shell code. Now, you know, what they'll tell you, okay, and this is, there's some validity to this argument, is that we need to have that shell code in there so that we can connect to do tech support and updates and upgrades and what have you, right? I mean, that's that's a legitimate argument, but it doesn't preclude them from using it for other purposes as well. If you're China and you build your entire internet infrastructure on American networking products, there's a vulnerability, a national security vulnerability that applies there as it does with the U.S. or Great Britain or anybody in Europe. So you know, one of the things that we need to think about, and I don't think is often talked about enough, is that these products have national security implications to them to all of us, whether it be Russia or China, Great Britain or Israel or the U.S. or anybody else out there, right? That the products that you buy for building your internet and building your IoT infrastructure have national security implications because it's easy enough for each of these products to have a little bit of shell code. And that's what when we say shell code. So some people refer to it as a backdoor that just allows somebody to remotely get into the system and then do whatever they want with it. And so if we're in a conflict, you know, and you have your whole internet infrastructure is built on my products, you know, I can just shut, your, shut off your whole entire internet. <laughs> this is something that we're dealing with in this new world of ours, you know, especially now that we have IoT devices too. I might be able to shut off your refrigerator <laughs> remotely. <laughs> there's, an, there's an interesting story in the UK. I, I keep getting asked to get a smart uh, meter in the UK. So like for my gas and my electricity and stuff. Right. And I keep right. refusing that. Because there's been cases in the UK where people haven't been able to pay for their gas or their um, electricity um, to their homes uh, for whatever reason. And then the companies have remotely turned them off or right. they've remotely put them on a bad tariff or remotely put them on prepaid. So in other words, they have their, their, their gas or electricity goes off unless they you know top up the meter. And I right. mean, that's just to me crazy. Uh, I'd rather have like all the analog traditional stuff that I can control. And like you said, no one can have access to for hacking, but also, you know, just to have control over the stuff in your own home. It seems crazy. Um, Lewis Rosman does a lot of, you know, this, these talks. He, is great, he has a great channel where he talks about the fact that you buy it, but you don't own it. And right. um, John Deere is a good example of that. And you oh, know, yeah. the right to repair movement and all of that. It just yep, seems crazy that if you're giving your devices if you're buying all of these electronic devices, they're all connected to the internet, and then they have to have a subscription. So that's even worse. Makes it a whole nother level of craziness. I think the famous example recently is BMW uh, 
telling you that you have to pay a subscription to have heated seats in your car. So the car comes with the heated seats, but they can't be used unless you have a subscription. I mean, it's... I, did, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's insane. Or John Deere, where the, where, the, where the farmers in the US, as an example, might be in the middle of nowhere. And then, you know, they can't service their own tractors or whatever. It's just, it's crazy. So I'm with you on the fact that I'd rather have analog stuff as much as possible. This whole thing where it's connected to the internet is is bad enough. But it gets worse where it's connected to the internet and then they can remotely control it. Uh, did you hear, Lewis also did this example where, did you hear the story where someone at home had an Alexa or had a doorbell, I think was the was the uh, ring doorbell. Um, a guy came to the house uh, to deliver a package and then he heard something and he thought it was a racist remark or something. And Perfect. then Amazon disconnected that person's account. And the guy, wow. like, he um, complained about it because he said, you know, I wasn't even at home. So the delivery driver had heard the incorrect uh, information. Um, but the point is, is that that Amazon shut down his Prime account and shut, basically blocked him from Amazon because a delivery driver complained about him making a comment through a ring doorbell or something. Um, wow. That's insane. So, I mean, I think that's the next level of craziness that people have to be aware of. And Lewis does a whole, I'll link his channel below. He does a whole bunch of videos, which are fantastic to go and watch, where he talks about right to repair. He's been um, advocating this for a long time in the US. It's just insane where if you buy all of these electronic devices that they, they can be hacked is what we're talking about. But also that companies can then control your life. Yeah, right to repair. I mean, you. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I'd ever, uh, I've never purchased something that I don't have the right to repair. And I would really be reluctant to purchase anything that I don't have the right to repair. I know that John Deere does that. And uh, I think that it's a good idea that the buyers reject that. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. a huge, it's a huge thing, a huge problem. I mean, it's getting worse and worse. I mean, the BMW heated seats example is just yes. another that, that, like crazy example. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Lewis has a whole bunch of videos where he gives examples like this. I, I'm trying to think of some other good ones, but yeah, the Alexa one. I will never have an Alexa in my house on. <laughs> For it, it's just like they're listening in or whatever, or like a ring doorbell is just crazy. So from a privacy point of view, I mean, I, I say this, but you know, it's, you've got to decide for yourself. But it's. Um, is it privacy that you want or do you want ease? And um, I mean, I think what's nice about talking to you is like the hacking side of it is just another level of worrying apart from the corporate companies trying to sell your data or control your life or whatever. It's right. something to think about. Yeah, I mean, if we start thinking about this control that the companies have, um, you know, and maybe those companies are benevolent, okay? Supposedly, <laughs> but, yeah. Today, supposedly, maybe. But, but imagine that, all of those devices got hacked by yeah. a malevolent okay, entity, right? And they could do things like cut off your gas <laughs> or yeah. what have yeah. you, cut off, cut off all of your systems in, in, in some type of attack against you or your city or your state or your country. So these devices all have vulnerabilities, okay? Every electric Every digital device can be hacked. It's just a matter of how hard is it to hack. And in these IoT devices, there's really very little in the way of security that's built into them. And so as a result, they tend to be relatively easy to hack. And what we're seeing is that that's 
leading to these botnets of IoT devices that are then used for DDoS attacks. But, you know, we can imagine a lot of other scenarios here, right? I mean, if, if, if you hacked everybody's ring doorbell, right, and, and you could wreak a lot of havoc on their lives or their Alexas or, you know, their refrigerators or the, what Think about cars, you know, and the connected cars is the next big, I think, kind of yes. worms that's coming. Yeah, there's a, there's a scene in, uh, in Mr. Robot where uh, he, uh, they're being chased by, I think it's by the, 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 the Chinese hackers in a General Motors vehicle, Tahoe or something like that. And, and he social engineers the law enforcement to be able to use the OnStar. They have these the OnStar on the GM vehicles um, that allow law enforcement to literally slow down your vehicle so that if they're chasing a vehicle, so law enforcement, they're chasing your vehicle and it's a, it's a General Motors OnStar-enabled vehicle, law enforcement can literally push a button and not stop it, but slow it down. And so there's a scene in Mr. Robot where they, I think it's in season three, where they social engineer law enforcement and, uh, and, and call ahead and ask them to slow down the vehicle that's chasing them. So. Yeah, I need to report an emergency. This is Detective Robert Abbott at the badge number 8301 out of the 19 precinct. I need to initiate a slowdown. Okay, VIN number. Here we go. Yeah, uh, okay. I see the lights blinking. So those of you who have GM OnStar enabled vehicles, you basically are giving up that control of your vehicle. They can shut off your vehicle. They can do that. Now, right now, only law enforcement has control of it, but it may be others. I think the concern is more and more cars are becoming more and more like computers, right? I mean, connected cars are, cars are going to be connected to the internet permanently. Um, it's like a big worry. I mean, it's a, it's not like a toaster. It's a, it's a different level of, of worry when it's a when it's a car. Yeah, I think that uh, I think more and more vehicles, almost all the new vehicles, are connected in some way to the internet. Right? Whether it be through GPS or if it's connected to the entertainment system, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi. There's always some connection that people can hack into the vehicle, and we've seen the many examples of that done already. But it gets more and more complex and more and more digital aspects to the car, the more vulnerable it becomes. I often joke that uh, most cars, right, most cars are an automobile that has added digital aspects, a computer. They've added a computer to, yeah. to, uh, to the vehicle. A Tesla is a computer that has a car built into it. <laughs> it's the other way around. And so a vehicle that is that complex and that advanced is probably the most vulnerable to these types of attacks. And, and I think Tesla have opened up the way and a lot of other vendors seem to be following that same path, especially with electric vehicles, right? Yeah, they're getting more and more complex yeah. and many, many Computers, systems are... Yeah. All these digital systems in them, there's, you know, there's computers throughout that CAN protocol. So the cars, all the devices inside of an automobile are all connected on a simple, what's called a CAN protocol network. And if somebody can access that CAN protocol, and we've had recent examples of where uh, hackers have been able to get into the network from 
the exterior. So, for instance, through the headlights and other places where they can get into the network. And then they can send commands back into the vehicle from the wires in the headlight. Because the headlights are connected to the network, right? Yep. Exactly. And once you're and once you're inside the network, there's no authentication, there's no encryption, and anybody can send commands through that network. That's one of the things we do in our automobile hacking classes. If you can get into the CAN network, okay, then you can send commands in there that can start the car, can you know, turn the cars, hit the brakes, accelerate the car. Those are all things that there are commands on the CAN network to activate. Those are this is something that we have to be thinking about. And IoT devices are just expanding the amount of things that can be hacked and can be used against us. Then there's also the question, you know, we don't want to be a Luddite, right? And say we I'm want thinking to stop. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy a classic car. I'm going to live with like no electronic devices. Yeah, it's exactly, right. it's a like balance, right? Sorry, go on. I, I interrupted Exactly. You that's, that's what I was coming to is that we have to balance it about against being a Luddite. We can't, we can't stop progress. I mean, people have tried in the past and the Luddites, those of you who aren't familiar, there was a group, I think they were in England, weren't they? They were in England. That yep. They, yep. They, they tried to stop the uh, the movable press because it p was putting people out of bit, out of work. And so when we talk about people who are anti-technology, um, we often use the term Luddite because that's, the group was called the Luddites. But, and, and that's never worked, right? It's never worked to be anti-technology and anti-forward moving in terms of technology. I... I I refrain from using the word progress because sometimes <laughs> new, techno yeah. new technology is not progress, right? Exactly. But we need to be critical. We need to be critical of the way that technology is being used. We need to think about how it's being used and what we want to allow into our lives. And you've decided not to put an Alexa in, in your home. I've decided to not talk about anything confidential in front of my Alexa. <laughs> but, but this is the kind of, at least we're thinking about it. We don't necessarily agree on it. And everybody's going to be different in terms of the amount of privacy and vulnerability they want to accept. But, but in 2023, we need to be thinking about these issues and not just go, oh, wow, this is wonderful, you know. I was going to say this. I interviewed Miko. Uh, he wrote this book, If It's if it's Smart, It's Vulnerable. I'll put yes, that video yep. below. He's, I was um, going to use that quote. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it's was, a, he, if, it, if it's smart, on. it's vulnerable. Yeah. I, and, I, and it's his quote. So he gets it's attributed to him. He He was talking about the fact that, you know, even if you try and stop this, the manufacturers are going to start putting... 5G chips inside toasters and fridges and any everything anyway. Um, I mean, at the moment you can buy like buy a washing machine that's got Wi-Fi. I mean, I would never enable that. Um, uh, but you know, in the future, what's going to happen is they they're just going to circumvent your home Wi-Fi, and that fridge or that washing machine is just going to go straight onto 5G, and that just becomes worried worrying then when the when you can't buy a device without it being connected. And this is why we need to have these discussions oh, as. Yeah as a society, as a global community, is what we we can't stop this these new devices, but we need to at least think about how we want to interact with them as a global community, as a society, and as a government. Do we put restrictions on, say, what meta 
can collect about us. I mean, right now, there really is very little in the way of what uh, of restrictions on meta and what they can what they can collect about us and sell to other people. This might be something that we want to talk about. Right? Yet, I don't hear people talking about it. It's not it's not a conversation that's taking place in the general public. There's there's a little bit of discussion about TikTok. We've seen that. People are discussing that. But it involves all of these devices that are collecting information about us and selling it and invading our privacy. And so this is, I just want to put this out there. I mean, yes, the DDoS attack is something we need to be concerned about, but that's mostly those of us who are in cybersecurity. But all of us need to think about giving up our control and privacy to these devices that we're putting into our home. And I just want people to think about that, about is this what you want to do? Is this is this the way that we should be doing this? Is there a better way that we can do this? Is there a way that we could put in some restrictions on these devices to limit what they can do? I think it's a, it, the problem is, number one, it's if it's if it comes to comfort versus security, most people choose comfort. And yes. Secondly, it's uh, just awareness. You know, we we I think in the cybersecurity sort of uh, niche, if you like, people or field, people can get really like uh, everyone's aware of what's going on. But out of this sort of niche, you know, if you go into like someone who's like not technical, um, and I won't use an example, but let's just say someone in another field that's totally not technical, they might not even be aware or even care. And as soon as you, you know, we, 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 when we get into the technical details, you lose a lot of the, a lot of people. Um, but it's important to talk about it and uh, make people aware of it. And I, I think so. I think it is important to make people aware of it. And I'm hoping that this message that we're discussing here gets out to people beyond just the cybersecurity community. But you know. Those of us who are in cyber, you know, we need to be aware of how this can impact our security, these IoT devices and others. But the broader audience needs to be aware of how this can actually steal their privacy from them and in some cases suck money out of their wallets because you don't have any other options other than bringing it to, back to the dealer to have them do the repair on it, like in the case of John Deere tractors. Right? So these are all important issues that I wish were more of the in the public marketplace of ideas and discussion, because this is shaping this is shaping the world. It's shaping our future. We need to be having this discussion on a broader playing field than just the cybersecurity community. But I think that's what's also nice about us doing like hacking videos online. People complain about hacking videos, but if you don't tell people what's possible, they don't realize what's possible. So like, it's exactly. so great to get you on the channel and you can tell us about the things that you, you know, it's not everything you can demonstrate, but you can tell us what's going on and it makes, it, it raises awareness. So people are aware of the issues of, of IoT. They're aware of these these botnets that are out there, out there and, and what they can do. So Occupy the Web, I really want to thank you for sharing. It's always great to have you on the channel. It's always great to, you know, get your real world views of things. Before we wrap up, you've got to tell us about some of the new courses that you're working on. I'll just tell everyone, once again, you know, YouTube, we can do certain things, but unfortunately, because of YouTube rules, we can't post some of the stuff that Occupy the Web and I would like to talk about. 
but you know, Occupy the Web and your courses, you have the freedom to do that. So tell us about some of the sort of interesting courses that are coming up. Well, one of the more interesting courses, of course, was we just finished up the SDR for Hackers yeah. class. And and that was, I think that went really well. We finished up hacking satellites and cell systems. And then we're going to do an advanced version of that in 2024, where we'll just, just focus on cell systems and satellites. We have the Femto cell class coming up this fall as well, where we'll be building a mini cell tower. These are legal. Um, it, we say, we've seen them used in Mr. Robot. And they were used against the FBI and Mr. Robot, and I think in season one. Um, and so we'll be building one of those, and we'll begin building it using these tiny Linux operating systems. So what we're going to be doing is replacing the operating system that's built into it with our own operating system. Once again, they're tiny, 10 meg, 5 meg, operating systems that then we can control and um, collect the information from that's traversing that particular device. So we've got that. We've got reverse engineering coming up, I think, in February. We've got uh, Bitcoin forensics coming up in January. So if any of these things are interest you, let us know. We we do have the coupon for 20% off using uh, discount code BOMBLE. We're at www.hackersarise.com. That's great. Occupy the web. Thanks so much. And just for everyone who's watching, put in the comments below stuff that you want to see. Uh, I'm really looking forward to doing the Linux Basics for Hackers video series with Occupy the Web, where we cover the content in his book. But, you know, as always, let us know the other topics that you, you want us to cover. One of the ideas, I mean, it's just time, but one of the other ideas is Eternal Blue. Uh, talk about that and a whole bunch of other topics. For everyone watching, thank you so much for watching. And uh, again, put your comments below. Occupy the web. Thanks. Thank you.